reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got our first mailbag of the season that's reacting to a loss to the dallas cowboys on monday night football and it's on a thursday because we played on monday night football so we've got a lot of good questions we're gonna talk about the wide receiver room evan neal struggles some things we like about calf we've got good questions justin how are you bobby skinner hello i don't care about me how's ian doing hurricane ian um it hasn't hit us yet we got some outer bands this morning um and by the time people are listening to this, it will be like in full force. But I'm on the East Coast, so I'm not getting the worst of it. We're still getting it pretty good, but not getting the worst of it. Okay. Well, for all our Florida listeners, including Julian and his parents, you know, hope you're doing all right from Hurricane Ian. Um, you know, we got a lot of you Floridians. Uh, Julian's Skinner, getting it the worst. He's on yeah, the. Yeah, he is getting his, it the worst. His parents are gonna. His parents are gonna. Get, hopefully, he's getting get good like video and pictures out of it. Oh sheesh! Yeah, that's the that's the main that's the main benefit of it. Are you still planning on doing the? The weather segment with Danny? Yeah, I think so. Okay. All right. Um, I'm excited for that. I think we'll put that on the podcast for the Friday, too. Mm. <laughs> Friday's pod is about to be a long one. We got Robert uh, Robert Schmitz uh, coming. You, you're going to do an interview with him today. And if um, I lose power, it, I don't know where I'm going to record it. Like It very it, it may be a Bobby on the phone podcast. Bobby on the phone podcast. Uh, Bobby man on the street. Let's talk about... Uh, the loser giants. What? What are those? We don't know who they are. We're gonna win. We got a great two and one, uh, two and one versus two and one matchup with the Bears, the best of the best in the NFL. Who would have thunk? Only it? a couple undefeated teams. So, uh, we'll get into uh, all these mailbag questions. Any comments on Shep? It's so I. I don't think I gave it the proper respect on Monday because I was just so pissed at losing, and he had a couple of drops, and I was just so frustrated. But. I haven't had like the like oh wow this is this has got to be it for Sterling Shepard at least as a giant you know unless the, unless they just pay him on the minimum and and with non guaranteed salary like it's you know two season ending injuries within nine months yeah I I had the thank you Shep moment kind of at the end of last year where like the appreciation and stuff like that because I mean at least. At least last year, you had some good moments with him. Um, I mean, you had the Tennessee touchdown this year, but yeah, um, sucks. It sucks because it's a guy that you root for. It's a guy that works his ass off, which, you know, at least in this wide receiver room, it doesn't seem like the Giants have a ton of guys that are just working their ass off right now. So that's why you appreciate Shep. But it just sucks that worked so hard, had like this, what we thought would be like, oh, he's not coming back to the Giants after this torn Achilles. He's going to get cut. Like it, it just makes so much sense to not bring him back. But then he comes back, works his ass off to get back, has a really good week one with 
the biggest play of the season so far, you know, not counting the 66 yard of the Saquon. And uh, now he's done. I mean, his, I don't, I'm not going to say his career's done, but I do think his time in blue is done. Yeah, I, I would, I would be shocked. But at the same time, it's like, well, where else is he going to go? What are they willing? But it, yeah, it just seems to be done. But anyway, so we feel for you. We feel for you, young Shep, the longest tenured New York Giant. But let's get into these mailbag questions. Or actually, no, first, sorry. I keep Whoa, on, te- I keep on teasing the mailbag. By? Yeah, I keep on teasing. Greg P., he's got a nice Yankee logo. Will Aaron Judge ever hit a freaking home run? It's starting to annoy me. Roger Maris' son will just... Yeah, you can tell he's just like, I'm tired, of, I'm tired of doing this. David Polanco, how about how about that? We we love you, David. And then Nikki Baselli. We got a lot of Italians on our Patreon. Justin, who are these people? I mean, we should have a lot of Italians. Oh, Bobby Skinner knocks down his microphone. Um, <laughs> if you're Italian and you're a Giants fan, you have to go to patreon.com slash talk Giants. It's a, it's a requirement. You have to. Patreon.com slash talk Giants. The two Isidori brothers. Snacks and Anthony, they're part of the Patreon family. They're two of the most Italian people I know. Patreon.com slash TalkGiants. There's a bunch of perks. You know about them. Thanks to our patrons. I also put a Patreon-only film breakdown out on Twitter today. Wow, that's nice. That's huge. It's because basically I was just cussing out Austin Calitro. Oh, like, if you want to hear... I was a, like, I'm, I, I'm not going to put that on the main timeline. If you want to hear Bobby Skinner roast Austin Calitro, you know it, where to go. It, it, it got me so mad. Anyways... Take it away, Steve. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes you want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. Thanks, Steve, from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. And one of our commenters says, Snacks is not Italian, which is true. How can you be redheaded and be Italian? Whoa, harsh. Tough. True. He's Irish. You can be redheaded Italian, but he's Irish. Anyways. Joe Esposito. Snacks hates it. Uh, Irish. The Irish. At Joey21Espo. Is Evan Neal struggling with similar things that Andrew Thomas struggled with during his rookie year? It's actually the exact opposite. Of what Andrew Thomas was struggling with. Now, where it is similar is they are early. They're mistiming. They're, they are Thomas was and Evan Neal is mistiming their punches and leaning, and that's messing up their footwork as well. And it's just how it's having like it's just giving them struggles throughout the block. But with Andrew Thomas, his issue is that he would overset. Like he would get out too fast. And leave too much space for an, uh, a defender to work outside in on him. Uh, so that was the main issue. And then the and then the way Thomas got beat around the corner was similar to Evan Neal, where his he was just punching and lunging. But the footwork is the exact opposite. And they did more vertical sets with Colombo um, uh, at the start of 2020 as well with Thomas. With Evan Neal, it is very much he's just having a hard time adjusting to the speed of the NFL, and especially versus a Dallas Cowboys front where. If you watch the Olin report, I break it down, and it's the same. Th- it's just the same things that's happened since when we were watching him in training camp and saying he doesn't look good to now. It's the same exact things, except this week it was just amplified. Yes, this this week the results uh, matched what he, the the play looked like. Is he's getting that first step, second step, and then he's just not comfortable getting to that third step and staying square because he's worried about the speed. 
So what he's doing is he's punching before he gets to his third step, and that's getting his feet out of whack, and then he's not being able to move his feet throughout through into the block. Part of that is being worried about an inside move. Like he's, you know, if he, there's times where he'll probably get, he'll get beat on the inside more if he gets to that third step and his, his, his left foot isn't ready to go. So in reality, it's just, he's like Andrew Thomas though, where they're similar is it's hard to do this NFL tackle stuff, man. And it's a big adjustment where you've got guys who are not just strong or not just fast as you got speed and power. And the Dallas Cowboys front has that, you know, and the Cowboys throw a lot of different looks at you as well. Um, it's just, he's, he needs time to grow. Like, that's why, you know, I had a reply and was like, well, if, if the issue is the same issue, like, why can't it, why isn't it being fixed easily? And it's just, it's a lot easier when I'm doing the O-line report to say, this is what he needs to do. You know, and I actually went out in my front yard yesterday and, and kind of like went through the steps to kind of remind myself of like what the issues are and, and kind of live them out. So did you film it? No, I thought about it, but it just makes it easier to talk about it when it's like, let me go through the steps. But when you're going up against speed and power, it's not, it's just, it's tough. It's tough to adjust to that in the NFL and then being able to have the confidence to get to that third step and realizing like, hey, I'm ready to power down and I, I'm not going to get taken advantage on this type of stuff. So it's just, he's got, it's, he just needs time to adjust in the NFL. And I don't like, I, I don't think he was as good of a prospect as Andrew Thomas anyways. Um, so I'm not saying he's going to be just as good as Andrew Thomas, but I do think he's going to be really good um, and, a, and a really good pass blocker in the NFL by, you know, this time next year. Uh, but it's so just, let me it ask takes you this. time. So, so let me ask you this. I mean, I hate, I'm not even, I'm not even going to, br- I was going to bring up Nate Solder for a hot sec because Nate Solder would just open up his hips all the time. Not even going to bring that up, but you see so many tackles that, open up their hips. They, they get to their second step and then they open up their hips because they want to match the speed that's in front of them. I mean, it happens with so many tackles. And I hear, I've heard you say this for years. I edit every single one of your O-line reports and you've been saying this for years. That third step, you open up your hips. Why? Is it just simply the speed? Like, Yeah, guys don't want to get beat around the corner like easily. All right, so if you get to that third step and you're late, the consequence is is that you will just be beat around the corner. Because I feel like when you open up your hips anyway, you're still getting beat around the corner anyway. Right? It it makes the arch of the pocket bigger where if if you like if you try if like you can't get to that third step, um because at some point you out. do open your hips. You do open your hips at some point. It's not like you just you just stay square. It's not you know we're not drawing this up on a board. You do open your hips at some point. It's just not doing it early because the what Pete what guys worry about one is inside moves is they don't want like if you overset like Andrew Thomas did where Andrew Thomas got to the, those steps but he left his inside vulnerable and like you don't want to get beat inside that you know you don't as a tackle you don't want to get beat inside that's the most important thing is to not get beat inside. Uh, a QB can step up in the pocket. You get somebody right in his lap, and it just breaks. It just breaks the play down. Um, obviously, they can improvise and stuff like that, but it just breaks the play down. Um, it's just worry about speed. But the difference with when you talk about other guys or Solder or Fleming or whoever is that Evan Neal has the prospects to be great. Where yeah. he's got the athleticism, he's got the strength, and something that does not get talked about enough in all of this stuff. He's a hard worker. And yes. he's diligent in his craft. Yes, Where that matters. Guy like Eric Flowers was not. Yes, and Eric Flowers wasn't as good of a prospect as Evan Neal, anyways. But a guy like Eric Flowers didn't have that, and that's 
that gets forgotten in what and in this game of football at from fan the fan point of view is yeah. some guys are hard workers and sometimes some guys aren't so some guys issues get fixed and some guys don't you know uh as much as we want all these guys to be the most diligent people in the world they're not all but the reason why evan neal is he has the athletic profile and that work ethic is why he's a you know the seventh overall pick in the NFL draft and was a top high school prospect and a top college prospect and yeah. all that good stuff. That's why the draft is is frustrating as hell too sometimes is because there could be this guy on the board that you really like or that you really want and then your team doesn't take him and then you're like, what the hell? This guy's really good. Um, and clearly, I mean, I think, at least as of right now, you know, we'll see how some of these guys pan out as the years go as the years go by. But I think as of right now, Joe Shane talks about that element of it being a hard worker, being a guy for the in the that's good in the building, just as much as actually like talent on the football field. And this is what I will say just from a big macro perspective. Evan Neal rookie year struggles and Andrew Thomas rookie year struggles, they're similar that the same struggle for each of them kind of continued throughout the season. Andrew Thomas, I felt like struggled with that right foot and allowing those inside moves, and that was very, very consistent. Evan Neal is struggling with opening up his hips and getting to that third step consistently throughout the first three games of the season. And if that's like the main thing that both of those guys struggle, and it's like, well, Bobby Skinner, you know, you're not an O line coach, but if you're pointing it out every week and this is what he needs to fix, guarantee you it's what the coaches are pointing out too. And yes. I feel be- I feel better about him struggling with one or two things versus ah shit he's bad in this one week he's bad in this the next week so that's where their rookie years I think compare is that they're struggling with consistent things every week do you think that's fair yeah that's fair and Evan Neal made improvement this week in the run game he was very bad in the run game week two a lot of false steps now there was plays where he had false steps um, in this game but he was a lot better in the run game this week. Um, and but that that's something I won't be like. Oh, he needs to, like no. Don't take false steps in the round game. Like you, you screw yourself over. So uh, I, listen. It's like we said. It's gonna be rookie. There's gonna be rookie struggles for Evan Neal. Um, they're different from Thomas's. Where Thomas's like, hey, it's like, hey, just cheat. Like with Andrew Thomas's rookie year, the reason he improved is they they told him how to cheat. Is <laughs> like if they give any semblance of an inside move, power down. And Andrew Thomas is an elite, like the top athlete at the left tackle position, maybe in the NFL. Like he might be the best athlete at the left tackle position in the NFL, uh, which pissed me off when people talked about the, oh, these other guys had good 40 times. It's like, look at his shuttle time. Look Mm -hmm. at his freaking shuttle time. And he has longer arms where Thomas could cheat. And then it's like, and then he realized, he's like, oh, I can cheat. And my athleticism is just amazing. And I can wash these guys around the pocket because my athleticism is so good. Trust his athleticism. Yeah. Wherever Neil's not the same athlete that uh, uh, Thomas is, even though he's a good one. And, and but, he ha- but he also has more size. I feel like you don't need that insane athleticism on the right side either. So that's why I like Evan Neal playing right tackle versus if he went to another team and then he had to play left tackle. Um, also, something that's forgotten about Andrew Thomas' rookie year is that it wasn't just bad from start to finish. It was kind of a tale of two halves. It was the first half was bad, and then the second half he showed like really massive improvement. Yeah, it, was, it was linear so, growth. Yeah, so hopefully... You know, for Evan Neal, you know, there's, we are still very, very early into the season. We're not even 25% of the way through it. But hopefully Evan Neal can have a trajectory of growth similar to Andrew Thomas did. All right, next question. Second question is coming from Doug. Do you want me to read his handle again like I did last week? No, okay. just Doug. <laughs> Doug, how was Kayvon's burst? I feel like I didn't notice it as much as he showed before, but it could be due to coming back from the MCL. 
I thought his burst looked fine. Maybe it was a, it was a little slow, but his burst looked fine. The watching the All Twenty Two film made you feel better about Kayvon Thibodeau than after the game, where it was like, okay, it, it surely wasn't great, nothing to be super excited about, but it wasn't. It wasn't like just like, oh, this guy's a horrible pass rusher in this game. Like it was, it was better than that. In fact, uh, and also Cooper Rush had the seventh highest time to throw and seventh you know, lowest. Times, or yeah, the sorry, the seventh lowest. And then, you know, some of the times where he was sitting in the pocket where those max protect two man routes where they and they got us on those a couple times. Uh so the burst, again, wasn't maybe wasn't what you fully expect from Kayvon Thibodeau coming off the injury, but he was coming off an injury. He's had two practices in the last month. So like, okay, let's look at all those circumstances. But just talk about play on the field. Him and Aziz Ojalari put on better pass rush reps than we got from anything from the edge position in the first three weeks. You know, which was a low bar because Jahad Ward gave you nothing and O'Shane Zimenez didn't give you much as a pass rusher. But like their their pass rush ability was clearly better than what the Giants had uh had the first two first two weeks of the season. Like there was some wins. There was a beautiful outside in move from Kayvon. He got to the bull a little bit. It's just hey, it's it's not having your pass rush move segmented and, and flowing within a play. So, uh, there's definitely wasn't good. But it, when I watched it, I was like, okay, this wasn't as bad as it seemed on the broadcast on Monday night. Yeah, and he got a total of 37 snaps, which I think was, if I saw correctly, it was 57, 58% of the snaps. Um, he him, him and Aziz were both very... Um, centered towards playing the first half or the second half and then a lot of the fourth quarter they weren't really on the field for for much and 13 run defense snaps uh 19 uh snaps as a pass rusher and then five coverage snaps so um he had one i feel like really good play where he went outside to inside and on, on a little rip or swim that he had against tyler smith on that left side so i mean one really good rep out of 19 in your first game i mean there was, there was some other there were some other ones too but that one particular one made you go ooh, like that's the cave on it was the best pass of, rush move we saw from the entire the giants all year was that yeah. move from cave on thibodeau yeah and that was a play where cooper rush got rid of the ball insanely fast and if he holds on to the ball for you know maybe two milliseconds longer, it's a sack, it's a QB hit, and he makes an impact on that play. So, not glaringly bad. That's I feel like that's what I wanted Kayvon Thibodeau's debut to kind of look like. But he also didn't get as many opportunities as he's going to get on an every-game basis. Yeah, it gave him time to grow. He had, again, two practices in the last month he's had. Um, so, you, you got to give him time. But it wasn't like, oh, this guy's not it like he clearly needs time Um, and we've talked about it before that pass rushers don't don't do what they do in their nfl career day one you look at all of them look i mean it's very rare when a pass rusher just comes in and just dominates their rookie season like it's a huge huge adjustment uh to the nfl yeah i also think we were kind of disrespecting the cowboys offensive line a little bit um i mean i don't know about the right side but definitely that left side. They got Jason Peters there now too. Tyler Smith is looking pretty solid. Um, Tyler Smith has looked good. I, I've been yeah. impre- very impressed with Tyler Smith, who was one of those prospects where it's like, I might love him, but I might hate him. Ah, but he also had like all the ability in the world, and he's been coached up pretty well. Yeah, yeah. Um, did you like that Kayvon showed up to the game in his pajamas? Do you I like didn't that even move? notice that. He, he did. didn't even notice that. Yeah. Do you like um, that? I. I Quite honestly, just don't care at all. Wow. Don't even want to comment on it. As long as... You know what? I, I don't care. It's Would you uh, show I, up to your first NFL game in pajamas? 
was he wearing pajamas? I know. I think. Okay, so I know you. You may think this is what he was wearing his pajamas, and they very well may have been like some like three thousand dollar outfit. <laughs> I guarantee you that's what happened. So I, I did see him walk in, and I didn't say pajamas. I guarantee you that's what happened. Is you? Julian are, showed me. I got. I got to check. Post gotta, showed up to the screen. I got to check a Jordan. 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 Definitely. Was it Jordan? No, was not Jordan. I'll find it. Yeah, I, I'm not. I'm not. Tr- I'm not believing you until I see see actual footage of that. Nothing. All right, next question. <laughs> All right, next question. I couldn't find the pajamas. Guarantee he did. I'm right. Never wrong. I've never been wrong. Mark Breer at MJ Breer. Through three games, what has been your favorite element of Mike Kafka's offense? Is there anything you would like to see implemented or changed? It's finally nice to see some offensive creativity. So I have a different answer than you, so I'm going to let you answer this first because I, I kind of I have a good feeling of what yours is going to be because I've seen you tweet it about it a little bit. I just I, I especially liked what they did this week. Um, I, I think they knew exactly what the offensive struggle was going to be, and that was the fact that Mike Parsons, Demarcus Lawrence on that front seven. And, you know, even there was a Dallas safety that had two QB hits in a sack as well. So I think they knew that they were going to try and bring some pressure and bring the heat. So uh, I liked how 20 out of the 37 passing attempts, plus you have to include the scrambles as well. I think there was like seven scrambles. So I'm, I'm in the middle of charting that right now. I'll have that to you tomorrow. So, I mean, I counted 20 play action slash RPOs, like, Whenever I saw an obvious attempt that the ball was being handed to the running back but then pulled out, I charted it And because I'm not smart enough to say, is this a play action or is this an RPO, like, fully. So I saw 20. So that's almost 50% of, you know, the, the, the passing attempts, even the ones that resulted in scrambles that were RPOs and play action. I mean, I like that simply just because any any split second that you can think that the defense is going to – you know, that it's going to be a handoff and any time that you can give Daniel Jones more in the pocket or time to throw is something that I will take. Um, and I also just like how, at least throughout the first two weeks of the season, you saw this on the Daniel Bellinger touchdown, you saw this on the Sterling Shepard touchdown, guys are being schemed open. And that's cool because we don't really have guys that outside of like Richie James that can create separation and, you know, they're really good route runners and stuff like that. So guys are being schemed open. And at least through the first two weeks of the season, uh, the offense kind of capitalized on it. My big thing, and I did a, a little breakdown on this on Twitter, and I've seen it uh, multiple times, is they are building off of their bread and butter, where it's like, hey, this is a, a concept we try to look zig out, zit, you know, zit, you know, we're supposed to, you're, we're going to run a dagger concept where we have our outside corner, outside wide receiver running a 15 yard uh, dig route. Well, guess what? Instead of finishing that dig, we're going to sit and turn it back outside. You know, the smash thing, the look at the Darius Slayton breakdown I did, where it's like, oh, Darius Slayton's going to run a corner. This is a smash concept. No, double move. He's got leverage. He's got speed. It could have been a big play if Evan Neal didn't give up a sack. Um, so that's something I really, really like is self-scouting yourself and seeing what, hey, what are they going to look at? What are they going to look for? Like, you know, these corners are going to see like, hey, you know, they're, they the other team game plans too, and they're going to know what you run. You know, it's not some hidden playbook, so build off of that. They've done that multiple times, and that's what will lead to big plays eventually when you could block some of that stuff up. You know, it's been a very horizontal offense. And also something that's gone a little unnoticked, uh, and this, I've, this sticks to my theory, they've been good in the sc- running back screen game. Yes. 
Like very, like very consistently good, which is surprising because screens are hard to run. Um, yeah, and and they've been as good we know, that. we're Giants fans. I think most <laughs> fans have bad screen games in front of them, but they only know only watch. That's my theory: is that every fan thinks their screen game sucks unless it's amazing, because you don't watch every you don't want you only watch the highlights of screen plays around the league. You don't see all the failed ones. Um, like again, I always go back to 2019. I remember an analyst saying the giant Pat Trimmer can't run a screen game coming off of two games where we had a 60-yard screen touchdown to Golden Tate, and the week before, Starling or Saquon Barkley had a 50-yard screen versus the Cowboys. So, anyways, um, that's my answer. Next question. Next question. Um, before we get to the next question, can I talk about something first? Though? Yes, talk about something. I'm gonna talk about something, and I'm gonna talk about true classic. I have a hard time. Fitting in the shirts. I mean, even now, even now that I've lost a little bit of weight, and I, I, it's funny. I got a Reddit comment saying that I talk about how much I lost, uh, I lost weight. I talk about it too much. Well, I'm going to continue to talk about it since people, some people hate it. So shirts, they're tough. Shirts can be tough on guys. You know, you don't have the right fit. They're not long enough. You know, maybe they're too long, but if you get a size that's a little smaller, then it gets too short or it's too big around the stomach. It's tough. It's tough out there for these guys getting their shirts. But support for today's episode comes from True Classic. They have the absolute best fitting tee, shirts a man can buy. Not to mention they're super soft. When you're jacked, finding the right t-shirt can be incredibly frustrating. Most t-shirts are too tight in all the wrong places or they're way too big and boxy. So if you're spending countless hours at the gym or if you're spending countless hours on the couch like me, sitting home, watching film, looking at stats, True Classic has got my back. It's about time to get your fit together. Upgrade your wardrobe with True Classic. Get 25% off at trueclassic.com with code GIANTS. Free shipping included on purchases over $100. That's 25% off at trueclassic.com with code GIANTS. Strengthen your core wardrobe with True Classic today. You'll be glad you did. You'll be glad you did. Next question. Next question. Is coming from at Gmen underscore A N T H Anth. What's the deal with Tony? I love the guy, but it has got to get to a point where we consider him a horrible pick. When do we reach that point if we haven't already? I'm kind of there, man. Like it's so this is the frustrating part, and when it's like, is this guy a bus? Is it's hard to call a guy a bus when he's just injured. Like he's just he's always injured. But when Kadarius Tony went to doubtful and was uh, not not participating in practice, Justin, I didn't even blink. It's just like I expect this at this point. You know, he had six injuries last year, so he came to this year. Like, hopefully, this guy can stay relatively healthy. That's that's the hope. This guy can stay relatively healthy, and he missed half a training camp. Uh, he's been on the injury report for two weeks. Missed week three. Barely even played week one. So he could, you know. And, and then ended up on the injury report from a practice later in that week. Like, you just can't rely on Kadarius Tony, And you can't really make plans about Kadarius Tony because you can't rely on him to be on the field. You know, like, it's it's hard for a coaching staff to rely. It's just, like, and I'm not talking about this year. Like, he's on the team this year. When he's available, you got to use him. And we'll talk about that later with the wide receiver room. But, like, you can't be good if you're missing time. And I'm just kind of like, I'm... I'm over it, you know, because it's like he's – it's just – I don't think his injury issue is ever going to get better in the NFL. So he'll have four games in a row where he get plays, and I think he can be awesome. I really do think he can be awesome in those games, but I think he's just going to miss games for the rest of his career. To have six different injuries last year and to have 
uh, an injury in training camp, be held out for a couple weeks of training camp, then you ramp up for the two weeks before the season, full go, and then week, and then after week one, you're back on the injury report, and then week three, you're missing game, missing a game. Like, when he's played thirty, and he's played like 35, 30 snaps this year. So he wasn't even like a full go for the season. <laughs> yeah. So it's and the and the the the, the biggest shame of it all is the Giants need Kadarius Tony right now. Like they need Kadarius Tony right now on this roster. They yeah, need I him. mean I they I, need I a said, dude uh, who can just separate. They don't have that at all. They don't have a guy who can just consistently separate. Kadarius Tony can do that. Tony's a good wide receiver when he's on the field. He's not just a gadget guy. When he's on the field, he knows how to play wide receiver and use leverage and stuff like that. He's like, don't limit to him to a gadget guy. Watch him actually just run routes. He's like, this guy does a good job of this. It's not the most perfect Chris stuff, but he's really good at this. But it's just, he, we can't get him on the field, and it's frustrating. Yeah, you know, I, I said during Sunday's recap show, I said, well, when is it going to get better for this wide receiver room? And then I'm like, well... Now the Giants are kind of forced to use Kadarius Tony, and we're in a very similar position that we were in last year. Once you know that Falcon game comes rolling around, the Saints game comes rolling around, and especially Dallas. So we're we're now at a point where we're we're forced to using Kadarius Tony again. But I mean, this uh, Wednesday's practice was a walkthrough practice, and he was a non-participant in it. So um, tough. It, it's tough, man. Yeah, and I hate saying this stuff because it's so frustrating for it's it's just so frustrating for a guy's major flaw to be injuries because you like he's he wasn't a flash in the pan in the Dallas game for, as far as his play on the field. Like every game he's been on the field, he's been open. Every single game, there's not been a game where Kadarius Tony has been playing wide receiver where he hasn't been the most open on the field. Every single game, even when there was games where six catches for forty yards, Tony was the you know Tony was the best guy out there, and he was and with all if everybody was healthy right now, he's clearly still the best wide receiver on the team, better than Sterling Shepard, better than Galladay, better than Wandale, better than Richie James. I mean, we knew it's that we knew that heading into the, the season. I mean, yeah, we knew that heading it's into just, the season. It's and that's why we were so excited for heading the season. But it's like the injuries just continue to happen, and it would be foolish to think they're just going to stop. Yeah, I, I also, I don't know if Tony cares. That's also part of it, too. I mean, I, if anything, yeah, the injuries are the biggest thing and just you putting on pads every Sunday, but even outside of that, I don't... Well, so I don't, what do you mean by cares? Like, when he's on the field or not putting in the preparation and practice all the yeah, time? Like, I mean, I think he wants to be good, but doing the things that gets you to Sunday, um, whether that is taking care of your body, whether that is... I'm not going to say that he doesn't know the playbook. I think he knows the playbook. I think he, he does knows, know the playbook. I think he knows where he has to run. But clearly, there's a disconnect with two coaching staffs in a row. Outside of you just not being on the field, there's a disconnect of when he's available and healthy, they don't want to play him. Now, I think they're forced to, and I think if he is playing this Sunday, they will use him. But if if everybody was here for the Giants, if Colin Johnson wasn't hurt. If Kenny Galladay is playing maybe 20% better, if Wondell Robinson's healthy, Shep is healthy, I don't think Kadarius Tony's playing. But here's where I still disagree with that 100%. Because, like you said, with the last coach stuff, but once they for they were forced to play him, he was awesome. And this year, too, like he got those, you know, those two uh, you know, runs in week one, made something out of both of them. 
uh, week three, you're like, oh, well, he, he did have the drop, but he had a 30-yard play taken off the board, which shouldn't have been taken off the board. And Daniel Jones, he was wide open two times, and Daniel yep. jo- and Daniel Jones missed him. You know, so I if Daniel Jones makes easy throws, not tough for like tough throws, he has three catches for, and and they don't call it like he has three catches for seventy yards, which would have been the best wide receiver output by any Giant this season. And there was also a fourth one where Daniel Jones, I'm, I'm not going to say he thought I had to make that throw, but he could have made the throw, and it could have been another twenty yard play. Yeah, you, you know, know I agree with you. I mean, I'm not. I'm just saying I think this is what Dable and company would do. Like if everyone was healthy. And if everyone was kind of here, I don't think Kadarius Tony is playing. And that shouldn't be the case, but it just is. And I don't I, I don't think he's on the team past this year. I just I don't. We'll see. But it's hard you can't rely on him because of injuries. Right. And he can say all the stuff he wants on Twitter and get mad at people. It's it's a fact. You know? I kind of hate, by the way, because he's called some people out on Twitter, which I always love. Like, he dunked on Alex Wilson. You know, Alex Wilson was right, you know, as, as much as that pains me to say. And he also, I think he messaged some other people who were talking about him. Um, He's sensitive. What you give me sensitive? But it's like, dude, you're missing games. People saying you're injury prone is not a debatable thing. Like, if people were saying you're trash and blah, 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 like, I, I understand, but, but, like, there's no debate that you are injury prone. There's no debate about it. Like, and if you're going to play here long term, you're going to have to deal with some scrutiny. And I feel like people coming at you for missing games is probably would be the least of my concerns if I was a player. Like, yeah. if it's like, it's like nothing I could do about that. If people are coming at you for your, like, if it's Kenny Gall, that I can see being, like, super frustrating. But it's like, like, he misses games consistently. Yeah. He's missed, uh, you know, 33% of his career. And, uh, you know, another 15% he wasn't playing in those games. So, yeah. I mean, at least when I say that he doesn't care, I mean, I, at least I think maybe he cares He cares about the wrong thing. I think he cares about his image. Um, and this has nothing to do with his rap career, by the way, because people just throw that out there. I, hate I don't when care. Say that. I don't care what your hobbies are. Like, go and live your life. But, I mean, when it comes to you being on the football field and you being present for your team, I just don't think he is here's where we can say something confidently because i think this is touchy when you're you know when you're not fully knowing is that the things we just said about evan neal earlier in the podcast about how we know this guy's a hard worker this is his craft is his business you can't say that stuff about Kadarius tony no can't that's that's like a like a middle ground because you know how it is it's people like don't how do you dare you criticize you don't you're not with him every day, and then the other side who just think he doesn't care all about football and he wants to be a rapper, blah blah blah. That's that. The middle ground is you can't say the same thing that about him that you can say about Evan Neal with taking his craft seriously. Yeah, absolutely. All right, next question. Devin, more wide receiver drama. Devin Burr at DTB thirteen ninety seven. Is Joe Shane willing to take a hit to get rid of Galladay despite already having a an obnoxious wide receiver room? Um, I feel like, you know, having Kenny Galladay sit on the sidelines is just going to make the team morale worse. So I want to just turn this question into, like, let's talk about the wide receiver room in general. Now sure. that Shep is out for the year, Tony's injured, Wandale's in. I think Wandale's going to be missing some more time than people expect. He had an MC, uh, MCL sprain. Uh, they didn't bench Galladay. Like, Galladay played 25 snaps on Monday night. You know, not as many as David Sills, but he did play on Monday night and was part of the game plan. And I will say, 
watching him, you couldn't question his effort on Monday night. He was fired. Like, he looked better coming out of his stance. Um, and route running wise, it's with Kenny Gold has never been, you know, uh, you know, footwork king, but it looked just as good as David Sills. And, and I want to, we'll talk about David Sills in this wide receiver conversation, but the drops are, he deserves all the slander for. Like the main, the, the main one being that one at the end of the game. And then I'm of the mindset of like, if you're Kenny Galladay, you need to catch that fourth down pass. Like it, it, you're, you're paid to make catch those types of passes. Um, I mean, he fell down anyway. So even if he catches it, he's not getting it. He's not getting it first down. No, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the fourth down. Oh, you're you're talking about when Daniel Jones threw behind him because he had to throw behind him. Yeah. Oh, the third down. Well, he fell because he dropped it. Oh, okay. I thought I thought like, he I was think falling anyway. I think he stays up probably if he catches that. But it's like you know how it goes. It's, it's you've dropped the ball before. It's you no. catch it. You're 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 trying to catch and turn, and then you drop the ball. And that like I don't. I'm not going to say for sure he fell, but it would have put him in a better fourth down situation to go for it instead of being in fourth and sixteen. Yeah, I'm not familiar um, with dropping anything. So here's he's going to play. By the way, and well, they played he has him last to. week. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and I don't think uh, the F, like you, you, I could not like when you watched th- that game last week. It's like I can't question his effort on any of these plays. So I think he's going to play. And drops are one of those things where it's like a drop's not an effort thing. It's just they happen. You can't they can't happen, but they happen. Um, when is Kenny Galladay going to get a contested catch opportunity down the field? And that's the thing is there hasn't been. Those type of plays ran. They've been there was a couple of possible, but pressure got there, and Jones wasn't able to like pull the triggers on those. Um, here's how I think it should go down. I think David Sills just needs to go to the bench. I really do. I really do. He doesn't add anything to this team. He does not. He does not help this Giants offense be better than what they have on this roster. Okay, and let's forget about the guy that he also doesn't separate like Kenny Galladay. Like he, he can make a play here and there, but consistently David Sills is not winning. Correct. <laughs> he has no speed, like Kenny Galladay. He doesn't have the speed. He doesn't have the agility, like Kenny Galladay. And Galladay has a, just a better track record, and I think is just a better player. But also, they don't have any speed on this offense on the outside. This is, should be the solution with Shep out. Get Slayton and Galladay on the field at the same time. That is what makes them better. Because when you put Galladay and Sills on the field at the same time, it doesn't help. That's not that's not fun out there. It doesn't work out well because there's no respect deep for the defense. You get Galladay and Slayton on the field, and there's a question of what things can you think Kafka could the offense could do better later in this podcast. I'll hit you get Slayton and Galladay on the field. Well, now they got to respect Slayton's speed, but they also got to respect Galladay's ability to make some contested throws. And Galladay still does get respect from defenses when he's on the field, um, you know, and that allows for hey, you know, now that opens up curl routes. Or slant routes and and things of like that when they're playing off of Kenny Galladay, so it opens up that. And then you have Richie James playing the slot, and Richie James has done a fine job. And if Kadarius Tony's uh, uh, is playing, then you rotate those three outside guys, and you also give Tony some slot reps. So that it, it's, we, we, I hate it because I you know we, you know the whole Sills Army thing, and he is a hard worker and stuff like that, but he just doesn't add anything. And in fact, the last two weeks he's screwed us more than Kenny Galladay has. We had before the half. He had a first down and ran behind the line of scrimmage in week two. We had a chance to go down and tie the game last week, 
Like, that didn't get talked about enough. We had a chance to go down the field and tie the game. And we had a chunk play. It would have been a chunk 15, 20-yard play. It would have been back-to-back chunk plays th- throws by Daniel Jones. And he slips. And it turns into an interception and the game's over. And we just kind of accepted because the offensive line was bad and Kenny Galladay had drops. But David Sills screwed us more on Monday night than Kenny Galladay's drops did. So, I just I just think it's it's just David Sills it should not be... I don't think he helps the offense. We need some type of speed element and Kenny Galladay does what David Sills does better. And I'm glad, and I'm also glad they they benched Kenny Galladay for week two, gave him a wake up call, and it seemed to spark him a little bit. And I think he's going to give max effort and stuff. And also the drops will humble him a little bit as well from week three, and he deserves to be humbled. He 100% does. This, I don't want this to come as a defensive of Galladay as a New York Giant, but David Sills being on the field doesn't help the Giants. It just doesn't. I'm still sticking with my summer talking point of you can't convince me that Darius Slayton is worse than. Colin Johnson or David Sills, you you can't you can't convince me of it. I mean, the only reason why we know that Darius Slayton is one of the worst wide receivers in NFL separation, and why he's one of the worst wide receivers when it comes to yards after the catch the last couple of years, is because he actually gets enough targets to qualify for it. I mean, that's the only reason why we know that. Like, not everybody gets 35, 45 targets every single year. So, you're not going to convince me that. Darius Slayton is worse than the guys that we're putting out there right now. And it's why we said, do not just move off of Darius Slayton for no reason. And I think people are starting to come around on this, being like, let's play Slayton already. Um, you know, and he could have had a big play if Evan Neal would have held up. So that's just where I'm at the wide receiver room. I think it's time to just not play David Sills anymore. Like, I want every guy on the roster that plays wide receiver to play more than David Sills. And I don't want to get the- doom and gloom, but do you disagree with my point on... Monday show just being like this is not going to get better I mean the line can get better hopefully it does you're not playing Dallas's front seven every week but and sure you're gonna have Kafka and you know they're gonna scheme guys open and that's gonna happen but these this is not getting better this year they were guys open the first two weeks Dallas is a really good defense so I'm, I'm not gonna say that but also it could get better I think with the things I just said yeah it just it just caps how much and you know, I I really do think that Dave. It's not going to be some great offense. We never expected that, but it should be better than. What I don't it was. even know. If, I don't even know if it's going to get close to average though. You know where they're actually the eighteenth ranked offense in the NFL right now. Well, in in, in what? What Scoring. are you talking? Scoring. Yeah, offense is really bad around the league right now, so that's why. Let's actually do that by by half, because this if we're the eighteenth ranked scoring team in the NFL then we have to be, like, top 10 in the second half. Because we don't score yeah, points in the first half. I mean, half. I'm not going to go through all those numbers. But no, but I'm can. just I'm just saying, like, if like that's something that I should do or somebody should do. I mean, it can get better by Galladay, Tony, and Slayton playing, and Richie James and Wandale. Well, yeah, I just no don't shit. think David Sills does not really help the Giants. I want every wide receiver on the roster playing more than him. And I don't think they're going to commit to playing Slayton. I don't. We'll see. He got some snaps on 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 Monday night. Yeah, some. He got some snaps against Carolina too. I think. Well, he got like like five or six. I I think he got like in the teens. Let me look it up real quick. Yeah, look it up. Why don't you look it up and I'm going to talk about um. Yeah, talk about something. I'm going to talk about something. I'm going to talk about Bear Burger again. Whoa, huge Bear Burger pod, huge Bear Burger show. 
So the Giants wide receivers are disappointing us. You want to know who's never going to disappoint you? Bear Burger. They're a burger joint, but they're not the type to be bogged down by the labels. 14 snaps. 14? Yeah. Probably a lot in the second half, right? From your guess. I'm just telling you, you got 14 snaps. 20% of the game. Oh, no, Shep got hurt towards the end of the game, so that so the first half, second half, second half splits don't matter. All right, so he may actually play more. Bear Burger, their burger joint, they're not top to be bogged down by the labels. Their menu, they have options for everyone, regardless of your dietary preferences. The only dietary restriction that you'll be limited to is food that is made to taste great. You can create your own burger. They take burgers very seriously, but their menu is filled with options for all. Build your own creation and let us know. Tweet at John Boy, and then also tweet at Talking Giants that we sent you to Bear Burger, and then you have a chance to win a Bear Burger gift card. They have a lunch special, 12 p.m. to 4 p.m., Monday to Friday. You have a choice of, of a select sandwich, sherbet fries, for $14.95. They have the best happy hour, hands down, in New York City. Ton of New York City locations um, with $5 Moscow Mules, $1 PBRs, $5 Martinis, half bottles of wine. Click the link in our description to find yourself at the best happy hour spot, tastiest burger joint, and overall great spot, order.bearburger.com. You'll be glad you did. All right, you next ever, question. You ever think we're going to stop saying that at the end of the ads? I don't uh, think ever. <laughs> Jazzy at jgood93. What's the plan for interior linebacker? I don't think we can keep trotting out Calitro out there. Um... Would you be down to go strictly with three safeties 100% of the time? What's the deal with these interior linebackers? Austin Calitro got me so mad on Monday night. Him missing that run gap leading to that long Tony Pollard play pissed me off so much. Because it's just like, what are you doing? Why? It was so frustrating. Um, he got benched after that, though. So the coaching staff felt the same way. Like, McFadden got 30 snaps to Calicho's 13 snaps, and Austin Calicho was the starting linebacker. Um, so he got benched after that play um, because that was just like, that's just like unacceptable football. Michael McFadden can do some things, but he's also smaller and has some hard time taking on blocks. I, like, Tate Crowder is not good and it's oh he's always his worst against Dallas because he doesn't read the guards and they pull the guards outside and he just he's always got his eyes on the running back and he, he just makes bad reads um I'm kind of down for a bunch of three safety sets like that was fun in week two I understand you can't just live out of three safety sets all the time but you can do it a lot and I would like Xavier McKinney's arguably their best linebacker right now and Julian Love can play the box fairly well that's what I was gonna uh, say bring him down more you know, and and you know, let Dane Belton play deep, and then when you you know go too high, you you put one of the other two deep, and and their cut their linebacker coverage has been really bad too. We you know we focus on the run game with linebackers, but they've been really bad as well too. Yeah, I would I would as much as possible because you can't just do it all the time. I would be living out of three safety sets as much as possible if I was Wink Martindale. And I'd I'd also like to activate um, Jalen Smith too. Um, I don't want to become one of these fans that we sign a player to the practice squad that we somewhat like and then just call for them to play, even if there's, like, no shot. But I think, I mean, you get two elevations every week. Um, they just waived Antonio Williams, plus they waived somebody else from the practice squad. So hopefully Antonio Williams goes back to the practice squad and, 
You know, they they signed Tony Jefferson to the active roster, so he doesn't have to be an elevation. How, oh, anymore. has he been? Has has Tony Jefferson been signed to the active roster? Oh, I, I or at least I should say that's the expectation, right? I, think I would they, expect him. So he has one more practice squad elevation, but Shep went to IR, so someone's going to come to the active roster. Maybe they give up that third practice squad elevation for um for him. I think they're gonna. I mean, I, I who was I, the I, other practice squad elevation? Not Henry Mendo. Who was the other one? This past uh, week, it was not Tony Jefferson. I honestly forget. That's really bothering me that I don't know that. I should know that. Yeah, it was it was that defense alignment that I never heard of. That Loki looks like David Moa, and then somebody else. That's so. really pissing me off. That is I it didn't. a wide receiver? No, no. All right. Anyway, um, Jalen Smith. I would like you know if if they can activate him, sign him to the active roster, whatever. I I kind of think he deserves it. Um, definitely over Austin Calitro. Um, and then, yeah, I'm with you. I'm um, Julian Love's best role and his best fit. You know, his rookie year, 2019, was playing the box. And, you know, he, we already know he has a sack, so we can open up some other things where Wink Martindale can send these guys on blitzes. He can drop Fabian linebackers. Moreau. Fabian Moreau. There we go. Um, he was the other practice squad elevation. Maybe they, I think they signed him to the Maybe they signed him to the active roster. Um, Cordell Flott uh, has an injury. He did not practice on Wednesday. So the odds are they are going to sign Fabian Moreau to the active roster. Um and Dallas did a good job of testing the linebackers, too, where Dexter Lawrence, after the game, you know, he was asked about missing Leonard Williams. I do still think that you miss Leonard Williams, regardless of the run game. They did. They run, whether they run but they inside, didn't run outside. away from Dex. Like, Dex played a lot of nose tackle in this game, I think, to, yeah. to not have him on just one side. But they – I mean, the yards per carry with and without Leonard Williams is, like, double. Yeah, and they did run a lot of outside the tackles, um, or at least near, you know, near outside the tackles. And they tested these linebackers, and – Went well for for the for the Cowboys. The big plays came from running outside the tackles, so that's yeah. not like where you miss Leonard Williams as as much, even though miss him. Where you miss Leonard Williams is like those four yard carries, where Leonard Williams turns those into two and one yard carries. Yep. That's where they miss Leonard Williams because Nick Williams would get washed down. Justin Ellis is slow. Henry Mendo, like I I don't know anything about you. That's where they miss Leonard Williams more so, even though he does help on the outside. But Dallas always figures out the best way to take advantage of bad linebackers in their run game, and they yeah. did that this week. So, All right, next question. Next question. Saquon Kennedy at Saquon Kennedy. Can we uh, skip this question? We kind of talked about it earlier. Let's go to the next yeah, question. Can the offensive line develop from bad to at least decent at the, as the season progresses? Yes. yes. It depends on Evan Neal. Yeah. So, yes, but I, I don't want to spend time on that. We, we basically did that with Evan Neal. So. Mar- Mark Lewinsky, get better, toughen up your shoulder. Yeah. The Giants at Inside Giants underscore. Is there a realistic way with the O line and wide receiver play to get explosive plays? We need DJ to be throwing the ball deep. So, a lot of the stuff like I just said about in the wide receiver conversation about Slayton and Galladay, I think that is a part of it. But also, this offense and I like it has been very horizontal and not as much vertical. You know, and that plays into the strengths of guys like Galladay and guys like Slayton, where they don't really, they haven't really run four verts, they haven't run Mills, which is you know the Mills is the play they ran that Darius Slayton dropped the touchdown versus Washington last year. They run flood. You like flood? Yeah, they run. That's something that I like. Um, so, but it's not it's not super horizontal, um, as far as like getting the outside wide receivers to make plays. It's horizontal as like creating space under, or it's not vertical, like getting the outside guys involved too much. 
where you're not like you're not attacking those sa- you're you're kind of just clearing out the safety instead of attacking the safety. They haven't done that, so it's been very horizontal. And a horizontal offense like they run puts more pressure on the offensive line than a vertical one. You know because you're having to run 15, 20 yards and then come across, and then you're and then that's having forcing Daniel Jones to hold on to the ball longer because the reads aren't as clear. Um, so just adding some more vertical to it. I don't want them to totally change their offense, but adding some more vertical concepts compared to they've been horizontal like crazy. Yeah, and I think just in general getting better on first and second down too, um, it will hopefully open up the playbook a little bit, whether you're facing second and short more often, third and short, you know, running the ball with Saquon Barkley. I think Saquon Barkley gets a lot more dangerous if you're throwing the ball a little bit better. Um, so that that's the main thing for this Giants offense is they got to get out of these third and longs because these defensive lines and these defensive coordinators, they're just going to feast when they see a third and eight, third and seven and longer that this Giants offense is facing. I mean, they're going to feast and they're going to be really salivating uh, in terms of the potential to get back to the quarterback. So first and second down efficiency um, needs to be uh, a premium for this season heading on forward. If the Giants offense is going to salvage any kind of average season offensively outside of obviously, I guess they're 18th in points per game, but in every other metric, they're offense, not great. Offense is really bad around the league, so it's they're not scoring a lot of points per game. But I, yeah. that was just more funny. It's like, oh my God, we're ranked 18th? Like, offense yeah. is really bad around the league right now. Yeah, Which I kind of, I love that, by the way. I want defenses to come back. They'll probably change all types of rules when they see that, but... Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, we have one more question. Justin, I want you to skip the second to the last one because it's kind of gimmicky, and we're we, we're almost to an hour. So we got one more question. But the real question is, why is the NFL so great? Because the NFL is just full swing action all the time. And yes. it's here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking touchdowns, big plays. How about some Darius Slayton big plays? And even bigger Bigger than David Sills, bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Bet on the Giants. We're beating the Bears. We're going 3-1. and one. If that's not enough, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? Honestly, you'd be dumb to do that. To make things even sweeter... You can throw down on stepped-up same-game parlays once per game day all season long. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code JOHNBOY to get $200 in free bets. And if your team wins, you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code JOHNBOY only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Last question. You'll be glad you did. Last question. I'm still pissed. I can't find this Kayvon Thibodeau pajamas thing. What was I doing during that tailgate? Optimistic but still critical Giants fan 2-1. Great name. At Big Blue NYG News. Where are you going to go hide, Bobby? We ain't ever going to hide from a dang old hurricane. Um, I'm kind of pissed that this hurricane's happening on the week of Monday Night Football. It's just put me in a time crunch. Like crazy, and I can't focus. I got when a hurricane comes, I want to focus on the hurricane, and I, like, I have not. Like the only thing I've been able to do is go and get uh, sandbags. Yeah, no, you or call me, me and my brothers you're like, call them because they don't use sand; they use dirt. So we call them dirt bags, which 
makes us laugh every time we say it. Giant, like, giant I got 10 dirt bags in the back of my truck right now. Relevant Giants phrase. Uh, you called me and you were like, can you do this? I'm like, I'm like getting dirt bags. I'm like, oh, okay. Or you said, I'm getting, I'm getting sand. So I'm like, all right, I'll do it. It's, I just hate that I'm not, I want this type of stuff to happen in August. That's when I can really focus on it. I haven't been able to really enjoy the hurricane. Oh, because it hasn't fully can't come yet. Um, but I, I'm probably going to lose power. And I think I'm going to have to do the mailbag pod like in my car on the phone. Or not the mail, the preview pod. Preview pod. I'm excited for that. Maybe we could do it on StreamYard. Maybe that'll make it a little easier. No, nope. I, I want to embrace you. I want to embrace the mess. Okay. I'm still I'm still trying to find this pajama thing by the way. I'm yeah, just so we, scrolling. And Christopher Thompson in the chat just said if it happens it happens. Like I'm not, you know me, I'm not one to stress about things that I can't control. Ah, I found it. I'll stress a ton about things I can't control, but things I can't control, I don't really, um, All right. control. But, but think, I'm on I the East Coast, right. so I'm not getting the worst of it. Oh, it's not pajamas. I knew it, I knew it. See, this is how I, how I know you. I'm like an old man, because honestly, like, from afar, I'll, I'll, I'll show it for the YouTube crowd. From, I'll show you at the start of the video. Can it not be blurry, Twitter? From afar, they look like... Look, they look like pajamas. No, they don't. They look like expensive pants. They are They are expensive pants. They, they, they look like pajamas. Somebody at the tailgate showed me that and was like, Hey, look, Kayvon Thibodeau's wearing pajamas. I'm like, those are pajamas. And they're not. They're probably $10,000 pants. Yeah, I guarantee you they are. <laughs> um, maybe we could get like Tom Canavan or somebody to ask him, like, why'd you wear pajamas? <laughs> if you watch Kayvon's presser, by the way, he's definitely going to be one of those guys who like doesn't put up with like the corny, stupid questions. I think you're going to see that more and more as just guys come into the league. Which I'm very, very excited for. All right, that's an episode. We'll be back tomorrow for a preview pod. My favorite preview pod of the year is, and we've had it every single year of Talking Giants, is the Bears preview. One, it's a winnable game every single year. Two, we get to talk with Robert Smits, who is one of my favorite people to talk about football with. Last year, before going into that, that last Bears game, where I had given up on interviews, but it's like, let's have Robert on because it's Robert. We talked about that Giants-Bears matchup for over 30 minutes, and that was, like, brutally bad, and we just talked both. So, um... It's it's a, it's always a must listen when you have Robert on and then your your regular preview pod stuff and I'll be like balls deep in a hurricane. So excuse me. We'll see you guys tomorrow. We appreciate you guys. Let's win some games. We'll see you then. Until then, let's go big blue. <laughs>